0: Donna and I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode two sixty seven. Like officially this time. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said that like two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's officially two sixty seven. So last week I uh, talked about how I was in an interstitial cystitis flare, which is basically like a chronic bladder inflammation illness that I have that like sometimes gets really bad, sometimes it's better, blah blah blah. Well, I'm so glad I said it because a couple of people reached out and were like, "Me too," you know, and that people were struggling with it. So I'm glad I said it because I was like, "Am I whining? Am I you know like I don't want to be like oh my ailments," you know how Tiffany hates our ailments, and so I didn't want to be like whiny.
1: But I'm so glad I said it. Me too. If someone is struggling with something like that, they could have that and be like, huh, let me bring this up because I would have never, one, I wouldn't have done it because I wouldn't have known how to say it, but I think it's good to talk about our ailments. You know, you can skip if you hate them, like Tiffany. (laughs) She probably skipped through all of that. Ugh, ailment, next. Because she used to walk in the light. She did. But now she's got ailments too, and I'm like, oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: My bladder is finally getting better, but then I had myself convinced that my IUD was slipping.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. But she's not a hypochondriac. (laughs) It's not. I'm fine. But I did convince myself for a minute. What else did you convince yourself of?
0: I don't remember. A prolapsed uterus. Oh, well, because if my IUD was slipping, it would do that or could do that. (laughs)
1: But this is scary. She will freak herself out, complain, tell everyone about it, but not go to the doctor. Well, because this is this wasn't
0: something that was like doctor needed because they're not gonna. I mean, it wasn't needed. What do they do if you have a prolapsed uterus? But I didn't because I I didn't. I knew I didn't. But I just. Well, was then why say like, it? Because I want you to know, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it literally comes out. When
1: you have a prolapse. Me too. That's what I thought. Well, I only knew that from uh, Howie Mandel, but it wasn't a uterus. It was something else. I can't remember. Rectum. Yeah, that tweet or whatever, and it Mm. was all over TikTok. Well, the new season of From, like F-R-O-M, it's a series that I watched last year, like a season. So glad it got renewed. But now the first episode's out. And it did not disappoint, you know, because sometimes the second season, like, it can start off slow. Yeah. No, it came out, and I was like, Oh my gosh! I wanted it to have another episode ready, you know, like because I'm so spoiled by having like three episodes, you know, or something yeah. like that. That's what uh, Netflix usually does. They, I thought they released it all at once. Not always, but um, well, it's for Love Is Blind. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, uh... it's like three or five that they do. Oh. But it's on MGM+. Plus. It used to be Epics. But I think you can get the first season on Amazon Prime, maybe. I don't know, but it's definitely worth the watch. Even if you don't like the horror genre, it's still a good TV show. Yeah, we're still
0: watching New Amsterdam. I can't believe you stuck with it. I think we're on the last season on Netflix. So I don't know what we're going to do after that. Colby and I went to the driving range the other day. Well, yesterday. You know, because I got to get good with all the clubs. I mean, I'm not good with any, but, like, not terrible. And let me just say, I got real mad a couple of times. Like, one time Colby, like, looked up at me because I got so (laughs) mad. Did you do your shrill, like? No, because it's, like, it was, like, quiet. There mm -hmm. was, like, probably eight other people out there. So it was just, like, an under-the-breath, like, God damn it! He, like, looked up. (laughs) When I miss the ball, it makes me exhausted and it pisses me off. But I'm trying. I'm getting better. Can only go up when you're terrible.
1: That's not true. You could stay terrible. But I
0: just don't, I have no core strength and never have. I legitimately can remember being a kid. You know, all kids are active, whatever. Like kids are strong, you know, just naturally Mm -hmm. you're strong. And I did gymnastics and played softball and all that. So like I was an active kid, rode bikes, all the things. But I can remember being in gymnastics as a kid. I could not stand up from a front roll without using my hands. I could not do it. I have no core strength and never have. (laughs) But
1: I'll tell you what you do have. No. Uh huh. You thought I was. Patreoners! Se- no, you thought I was setting you up, and I'm not.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: What? A live
0: show coming up. Oh. this summer. Yeah, but can we tell them Patreoners first? Okay. Thank you so much, Paige K from Georgia, Jessica S from Ohio, and Angelina S from Texas which is where we're going to be in that live show she's about to tell y'all about. But if you want to be a Patreoner, if you want an episode shout out and all the extra bonus episodes that they're getting a month, nope, a week, well, and a month. Anyway, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. But yes, like Donna said, we have a live show coming up.
1: It's going to be at the True Crime Podcast Festival in Austin, Texas, the weekend of August the 25th. So we'll have the show followed by paranormal-themed bingo that we're going to host. The hostess with the mostest, anxiety. <laughs> we will both be on abuse Bar, don't worry. Heavily medicated with abuse Bar. But we're also doing stuff outside of the festival. Like we're having our own little meetup and we're doing a paranormal investigation. And those, everyone's invited to. You do have to pay for the paranormal investigation. You have to pay for your food at the meet and greet. But it will be at Star Bar, I believe is where it is. I don't know. Creep Mom and Morgan, shout out to y'all for planning everything. Okay, so I thought my Tinder crusade was... Crusade, is that a word? No. I mean, it's It's a a word, word. but not that. You're not fucking Joan of Arc.
0: (laughs) I mean, it was touch and go with that one, but
1: (laughs) I told them at dinner one time, I was just like, I feel like I'm self sabotaging myself, like by not being productive when I could be productive, because I'm just going to be swiping and you know, swipe or no swipey. So I hid my card or whatever you do on Tinder, and I deleted the app. Well, then last night I was really fucking bored and I was like, I mean, I'm just going to turn off the notifications. So that way I'm not, it's not like constantly doing something, you know, cause I mean, but it's just like going off. And so I'm like, Ooh, let me see who matched me. And then I go and swipe and swipe and swipe. So I've got it back, but I don't have the notifications on and we're going to see how it goes. May the dick be with you. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got
0: to pick a different restaurant though. (laughs) We are too well-known, not well-known, like, as in, like, oh, no, like, we literally go sometimes twice a week to this restaurant, and they, and and Donna is just memorable. (laughs) People just remember her. You can pluck me and Tiffany out of the situation. Nobody gives two fucks about us, but they always remember Donna. Legitimately, one of them said, you came with a different guy last time.
1: Well, I know what I like to eat there. So I think it's time to change restaurants. But I can't, because the only other good restaurant is Mexican, and that's a no-go for before activities, I wouldn't be eating period before activities
0: with a a new person. Colby, look, he was in the shower <laughs> while I was pooping a second ago. We're we are beyond that. No, I don't want my stomach to be
1: like because it's so hungry.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you meant because of the Mexican. I was like, I mean, it's just your mood music.
1: <laughs> and you know, because like we hang out. Well, don't we hang out? But then it's also like always like six hours of shit. So it's like not a quick in and I would out. To be young. Oh my God, okay, so while we're on this whole subject, Carrie said something so funny today. Because Tiffany is also on Tinder and she's getting her freak on. I'm just going to tell all her stuff. Well, she was saying that her and this guy are going to watch a scary movie this weekend, right? And that's what I've been watching with my peeps. And Carrie said, are horror movies the new Netflix and chill with y'all? Like, is that your thing? Yep, I think so. It is. It's so true. Y'all both are like, they're going to come over and watch a horror movie. I'm like, what the fuck? But I love scary movies. She does too. I, I just... But she can't watch them alone. Why you watch a movie? See, I don't... We're so
0: different. Like, can you just come over? We do our thing. Go home. I don't want you hanging out. I don't want you... I mean, obviously, this was pre-Colby. But like, bye. Yeah, no. Well, see, that's why I like multiple times. No, bye. Mm-hmm. I get my multiple in the one. So, horror movie and chill. That's what the young whippersnappers are doing these <laughs> days. <laughs>
1: You know what else the young whippersnappers are doing?
0: Oh, Lord, what? Getting those Gooder
1: sunglasses. That's right. New sponsor alert. New sponsor alert. We got Gooder sunglasses. That's G-O-O-D-R. And these sunglasses are really affordable, fashionable. And the thing is, they're 100% polarized, but they don't slip. And you know, if you're a glasses wearer, nothing bothers you more than when your glasses are slipping off your face.
0: I literally just pulled up the website to tell y'all specifically which one I got. And I was like, oh, wait, I need these too. Like I'd literally just found like three more pair that I want. And they're so damn affordable that let me just add these to my
1: cart real quick. And I'll tell you one thing. When we saw Gooder, the first thing I saw, they have glasses for golf. Glasses for golf and glasses for bigger faces. Yes, they do. Because, you know, I got a wide face and Carrie's got a very narrow face. And the
0: names of their glasses are so freaking cute. Like flamingos on a booze cruise, that's literally the cutest. Nessie's midnight orgy, that is right up our alley. Yes it Nessie is. Nessie and an orgy? That is sounds like Donna's Friday night. I know I was going to say it sounds messy, but I like it. Oh my god, here's one, totally Donna. I pickled these myself. Oh my god, love. But they like real cute too. And they're all polarized. Like all 100% all of their glasses are 100% polarized. And even better they don't slip or bounce. These are made to be active in. Whether you're running. Whether you're golfing. Whether you're just riding in a car on a dirt road.
1: These things aren't gonna slide off. And for Carrie this is her major thing. She can put them back on her head when she's not wearing them. And they're not gonna catch in her hair. Nothing makes
0: me angrier. Well maybe missing a golf ball. But like cannot stand that. But I love aviators and I hate that about it. And you know what I saw when I opened the app? They have Amelia Earhart ghosted me glasses and uh, they look like aviators without that little nose piece that pisses me off. (laughs) And I love that freaking title. You got to go buy them just to support them because they're funny ass titles.
1: And the best part, they're all like $25. And they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. Anything that offers a money-back guarantee, you know they stand behind their product. And that's just like big product energy. You know, we we
0: really like the products that have a good like carbon footprint. Good for the thing.
1: Okay. Good for the thing. We love
0: it. (laughs) The planet and such. Gooder is a 100% carbon neutral company. Oh, even better, a year warranty. whole year warranty
1: hell yeah and cuz you're gonna be active and stuff so they're saying you know what these aren't gonna break but if something messes up we stand behind it we want you to be active we want you to live your life but you know what look gooder when you're doing it but seriously they have so many different colors and patterns they have pink purple they have like a checkered the tortoise if you want to be completely
0: timeless they do have black they have a lot of neutrals and then, and they have different lenses. They have ones that look more black ones. They have ones that look more like mirror if that's a word, but you get the point. Some that are more like pink, like they have all different kinds. There's a ton for you to choose from and I promise you're going to find the perfect pair for you. And for only $25 and 100% satisfaction guaranteed and 30 days free returns and a one-year warranty, y'all best be believing y'all need to be going to the Gooder. So what you do, you go to Gooder.com slash creeps plural, and use
1: code CREEPS, and that's going to give you free shipping. Again, that's gooder, G-O-O-D-R slash CREEPS with an S, then use the code CREEPS with an S, and you're going to get free shipping. It's literally a win-win. Really good, inexpensive glasses that if you aren't
0: satisfied with, you send them back, no questions asked, with free returns. So head on over to Gooder dot com slash creeps remember it's got an s on it and use promo code creeps with an s to get free shipping what's
1: better than good gooder
0: okay so i actually went to the facebook group and looked at some recommendations because i had no freaking idea what i wanted to do this week and this was a recommendation in the facebook group from brandy c that means if i don't like it i'm coming after you well it is a serial killer
1: oh lord brandy i'm just joking i'm gonna be talking about patrick
0: Mackey So I found this really great article written by Katherine Ramsland that was like the bulk of my stuff, which of course I use other sources, but just a shout out to old Kathy Kath because her article was really good. All right. So Patrick was born September 25th, 1952. And all this happens in England. So, he grew up in a house where his dad was not a good or nice man. His name was Harold. He was an accountant.
1: And it's just how you said Harold. His name was Harold. Well, we don't like him. I know, but it was just how you said it. Like, Harold, that just means he's going to be bad. And then an accountant. Can you believe that he likes numbers? Hey, my mom was an accountant. I know, but you never said it like
0: that. Well, because she's not an asshole. Like, Harold. (laughs) Okay, so they didn't have a lot of money, but what they did have, Harold would spend it on alcohol. And what he would do is he would drink and then come home and take his woes out on his wife. His substance abuse was so bad, though. When Patrick was only 10 years old, his dad died from a weakened heart from the alcoholism. But there was a lot of abuse in the home before his father died. Now, what happened after his dad died was kind of bizarre to me. So, they wouldn't let Patrick see his dad's body at the funeral. So, it was almost like like he didn't have that closure, is it? I mean, he's a 10-year-old boy and he couldn't see him because I feel like they were probably trying to not traumatize him. But it further traumatized him because then he started telling people that his dad was still alive. Like, it was almost like he didn't believe it. But in school, Patrick was a little shit. He was a liar. He always got in trouble. And like many serial killers, he had a propensity for violence against animals.
1: You coming out with a big word.
0: (laughs) So, you know, going to talk a little bit about animals here. So if you need to skip forward, please do so. They had a pet tortoise that he would set on fire. What the actual fuck? Allegedly, he would get birds and like pin them to the road and then just stand there and watch cars run over them. What? But I don't understand how he would pin a bird to the road. But maybe it wasn't like a paved road. Maybe. And the other thing that he would do is steal from people, especially elderly women, which like fuck all the way off that that's a demographic you attacked because you're a piece of shit. And from a young age, he was really interested in... Like death and dying, because his dad was in World War II and apparently would tell Patrick stories about when he was in the war, the things that he saw. Like, it gives me like a Jeffrey Dahmer vibe where it's like how he and the dad got the roadkill and like dissected them and it like kind of created this fetish, if you will. Not really, but kind of with bodies and that kind of thing that it seems like he continued on but to people. Whereas this, he hears these stories and then it kind of goes over into the animals. And then of course, spoiler alert, because I said he's a serial killer, we know that it moves on into people. As he was growing up, he went in and out of many different facilities by the age of 15 he had already been diagnosed as a psychopath which is like very uncommon for that well that's not technically a diagnosis it would be like antisocial personality disorder that's not a very common diagnosis before the age of 18 it would be like a conduct disorder type thing but i mean he was born in 52 so still learning things And there were times that at these psychiatric facilities where Patrick was being held, they would recommend him staying and the mom would be like, no, I'm taking him home with me. They moved around a lot. So there wasn't a lot of stability. But no matter where he went, he was a bully. There was a time that Patrick actually tried to strangle his mother and then tried to die by suicide. He was taken to a facility again, evaluated by psychologists and psychiatrists, and eventually was released again. Because I mean, you can't just keep him there. You know what I mean? You have to do what you the best you can do, and then release him. In October of 68, he was at the Moss Side Hospital in Liverpool. This is when he was about 15 and he was diagnosed as a psychopath. He would take dolls to bed with him. Like, he was, like, obsessed with dolls. And, like, he, when he would go around, he would, like, make people kiss the doll. No. Right? After he got out of the, that psychiatric facility, he was like, okay, I'm gonna, like, live on my own. He got himself a little apartment. And from there, things took a turn. Patrick became obsessed with Hitler and fancied himself a Nazi.
1: Oh God, if he couldn't get worse, uh, no, he just did.
0: So he even made himself a uniform with like patches and the little, you know, the little sleeve thing. Uh Uh-huh. That just seems like a blip on the radar because not really much comes from that. Other than I feel like he was just trying to figure out Kind of who he was in like the worst possible way. Yeah. And again, he's anti the mainstream and so this being so close i mean 68 this is you know not that long after world war ii had ended i mean we're talking 15 20 years you know and so this is still very fresh that people would be like whoa you are obsessed with what i mean we are now but Mm -hmm. could you imagine right after this happened it's like
1: he hated he knew he hated someone but he didn't know who he hated so like let me try this
0: But living on his own didn't last for long because he basically had no skills and he was a terrible human being. So he had trouble keeping a job down. So he had to move back in with his mom. His sister and his mom spent time in psychiatric facilities themselves. So we know that mental illness typically travels in families, which is, I mean, hello. Okay, so you know he had the thing with the dolls while he was in the psychiatric facilities. So another thing he would do is he would build models of Frankenstein and then would stick pins in the eyes and then like burn out the eyes.
1: Oh my gosh. It's like he was making his own voodoo dolls. And at this
0: time, again, like I said, he didn't have a skill. He didn't, he wasn't educated. So it was hard for him to keep a job. So he would rob people to get money.
1: You keep saying he didn't have a skill, but he fucking made a uniform and these dolls. Touché. So Patrick one
0: day was just like hanging out, walking in the woods when he passes this convent. And it was a place that had like eight nuns in it. They took care of elderly patients. And there was a vicar there named Father Crean. Father Crean lived like in a cottage like next to the convent. So Father Crean was known where if look, if somebody was in need, I mean, he's a vicar. If somebody was in need, he helped him, right? Well, in come Patrick. So, Father Crean and Patrick kind of become friends. They talk, he helps him. But one day, Patrick breaks into Father Crean's cottage he steals a check for 30 pounds which i also heard 15 dollars, but i don't think that that conversion's right but who knows in 1960 whatever but father Crean knew that it was him and reported him and patrick was arrested for it but apparently father Crean didn't want him to get prosecuted i don't know what he wanted he, he reported it and he got arrested
1: for it no idea but maybe he it's just the fact of you see you could get in trouble
0: or maybe he really didn't know it was him and reported it and then was like oh shit it's patrick what, who knows? But the police were like, "Mm, sorry, we got to go through with this. Patrick went to court and he didn't have to go to prison, but he was forced to repay the money and pay a 50 pound fine, which of course Patrick was pissed about. And so they didn't really talk after that.
1: How dare you get mad at me for stealing money from you and turning me in? Exactly.
0: Like what? All right. I want you to picture it. February, 1974. Patrick comes in contact with Isabella Griffiths. Now, Isabella is 84 years old. She was walking down the street, carrying some groceries, when... Patrick Caesar. And Patrick's like, oh my god, let me help you with your groceries. Because he liked to befriend people and then fuck them over. So, he helps her carry the bags up. She invites him in and, you know, would you like a spot of tea and all the things. So, now he's been in. He knows where she lives. He knows the layout. He knows all the things, right? So, he comes back later to rob her. Now, I should say that there's another version of this story where that meet cute from hell never happened and that he just like broke in and didn't know her from Adam.
1: But it is believable because then he would know like the layout of her house and stuff too.
0: After they met or, well, maybe didn't meet, Patrick had tried to die by suicide again. And this time he was picked up by police and they took him for assessment and a psychiatrist that assessed him said that he was not mentally ill. But here's the thing, they had All of his records.
1: What the hell?
0: I mean, he tried to die by suicide, and you literally have this whole stack of folders saying he's been diagnosed with these things. He's, you know, had multiple attempts on his life. He's, you know, has all these issues, and they're like, nah, he's good. Just go, just observe him. Maybe he's got a personality disorder, but let's just observe him. Wow. Which, of course, he was like able to fly through because he he's a psychopath. Well, and he's done this numerous times already. Yeah. So, he eventually gets out February 14th.
1: Is that Valentine's Day? Yes.
0: And literally went directly to Isabella Griffith's house. Allegedly, knock, knock, knock. And she's like, you know what? Actually, I'm good today. I don't really need anything. And he's like, yeah, you do. And pushes the door open. And from there, he did not just rob her. He strangled Isabella. He dragged her into the kitchen after he had strangled her. He then, this gets graphic, so if you need to skip forward, please do. He got a 12-inch kitchen knife and started stabbing her in the stomach. And he left the knife in her. Oh, my God. And then from there, he made himself at home. He got something to eat, something to drink, was listening to the radio. And then it was like something happened. He went back to her body, took the knife out, and it was like, it was like, I I don't really know what happened there. But he wanted to make the body comfortable. So he like moved her around, like crossed her, I think he crossed her arms across her chest, and then covered her up. So almost like a thing of remorse. Yeah. But he's not capable of that.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's not remorse. He just doesn't want people to think he's that bad.
0: That's probably more like it. You know
1: what I mean? Mm -hmm.
0: Then he went straight wet bandits put his dishes in the sink, put some shoes in the sink, and turn the water on. I don't know that he just left the water running, like the wet bandits. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't see that part. And then he stole from her. Do you know what he stole from her? What? A cigarette lighter.
1: What the fuck?
0: He took the knife with him and threw the weapon in some bushes. Isabella Griffith's body laid there for two weeks.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So that's why I don't think he left the water actually running. I don't think it would have taken two weeks for somebody to realize that the water, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if she was in like an apartment or a house, but even if she was in a house, I feel like for two weeks that water would come rolling out. You know what I mean? Yeah. When she was found, the police thought at first she had died of natural causes, but then they saw the stab wound and were like, okay, this is, this is different. Yeah. Yeah. There was no evidence left at the crime scene in the 70s. Now may have been a little bit different because you'd have all the dishes and stuff you could run for DNA, but then no. And they really had no idea who had done this. So just the very next year, on March 10th of 1975, Patrick sets his sights on Adele Price, who is 89.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: I guess somehow Adele Price has some interactions with him and maybe invites him in for a glass of water.
1: These people are sprightly for their old age.
0: And as soon as she let him in, he strangled her from behind. After he killed Adele Price, he took a nap on her couch. Wow. But he woke up because Adele Price's granddaughter who lived there, like, heard, like, her key in the door coming in and was like, oh, shit, and had to run.
1: He kind of reminds me of the Golden State Killer because, you know, he would, like, eat and stuff after. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't oh my god I just don't even understand that. Well, when the granddaughter couldn't get
0: in, like I'm sure she was just like didn't really have the key. It was just like jingle jingle jingle. She went to go cuz it was, was like a um a house with a bunch of apartments in it or flats in it. And so she went to call her grandma from the hallway phone and that's when Patrick ran out and passed her on the stairs.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And same thing with Adele Price, they thought that it was a natural cause, like she'd had a heart attack. But then they kind of started noticing some stuff around the apartment that made them go, wait, you know what? This actually is probably a murder. But just like before with Isabella Griffiths, there was nothing to point to who this was. And really, I don't even know that police had even connected the two. So right after he killed Adele Price, he went back to another mental institution Now, while he was there, some of his, air quotes, friends were picking on him and saying that his friendship with Father Crean was more than a friendship. And he didn't like that. So... He was like, "Gotta fix this." So he decided that he had to murder Father Crane.
1: Not the people making fun of it, and don't murder anyone.
0: But like, yeah, because you murdering him because it's like in his mind, let me murder him, and that'll stop people talking about us from being gay. Like, yeah. murder's not going to stop that. But okay,
1: right. And then like, bless Father Crane's heart or whatever his name is. He's an innocent bystander in all this
0: who just tried to help you. So he took two knives with him. He was prepared. He knew what he was going to do. Allegedly, when he got to Father Crean's house, the door was kind of open, so he went in. And when Father Crean saw him, he knew something was up, so he tried to get out. But Patrick attacked him. They tussled around with Father Crean trying his best to fight off Patrick. Tussled. (laughs) While they were fighting, Father Crean actually was able to break away and ran to his bathroom. He tried to like close the door and lock himself in there, but Patrick was fast and was able to catch up with him. So as Father Crean's trying to close the door, Patrick is pushing the door open and it makes Father Crean fall back into the bathtub. From there, Patrick continues to use his hands to beat him and then pulls out his knife. He stabs him in the neck and the side of the head. Now, this is going to be very graphic. Just so again, if you need to skip forward, skip forward. So from there, he wanted to stab him in the skull. But it wouldn't work. The knife would not go into the skull.
1: Oh my gosh. So
0: he went and got an axe. No! He hit him in the head and the face with the axe. At that point, Father Crean was still alive.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So Patrick filled the bathtub up with water, and Patrick would take his head and shove it under the water and pull it up, and shove it under the water and pull it up.
1: So fucking torturing him. Right.
0: Apparently, it was almost an hour before Father Crean passed away. At one point, he reached up to touch his head and could literally feel his exposed brain.
1: Oh gosh.
0: Patrick stabbed Father Corrine so hard that he literally bent his knife.
1: Oh, mm-mm. that reminds me of the crime to remember that I just did. Yes. On Patreon. Oh, god the thought of that makes my whole body just like tense up so after patrick kills father Crean, he just leaves
0: like nothing ever happened he just goes to his mom's to have dinner because on his way to kill father Crean, he like dropped a chicken off at his mom's house was like hey cook this what the fuck and then like oh he's dead let me go eat my chicken wow yes Did he clean up? Like, did he bathe? How did... I don't... I'm honestly not very sure about that. So that night, one of the nuns actually finds Father Cream and calls the police. Somehow, they knew instantly who it was.
1: They probably had an inkling because of the whole run-in with him earlier.
0: Yeah, the robbery and all Uh of that. So just a couple of days later, police had gotten a tip that Patrick was at a friend's house. Police get there and he is quickly arrested. I know I'm leaving y'all hanging, but before we finish this story, we got to tell you about Babel because they are back. And your girls, we love talking. But what if we could speak in a different language?
1: I mean, we have our own language that we speak in, but we're the only two fluent in it.
0: I want to be fluent in another language so bad. Like it feels so daunting the amount of time that it would require to put into learning a new language. But with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson and you can start having real life conversations in as little
1: as three weeks. Babbel is a language learning app and it has sold more than 10 million subscriptions.
0: Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are built around real life. So it helps you have real life practical conversations for travel, relationships, and business
1: I mean, most of us have probably taken a language in high school before and I knew how to like ask where the library was.
0: The library and milk.
1: Yeah. Why? Those and that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. But
0: what makes Babbel so special is that when other language learning apps are using AI, Babbel's lessons were created by actual language experts. Over 150 of them to be exact.
1: And it's voiced by real native speakers, not computers.
0: My favorite part about Babbel that really helps with my insecurities when it comes to learning a new language is that they have speech recognition technology and that helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent because when you have such a thick accent, it's hard to say words in another accent. Babel helps you be able to do that more comfortably.
1: And there's so many different ways to learn with Babbel. They have the lessons, but you can also access podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes if that's how you learn. They have that option for you.
0: I love phone games. That is a way to keep me entertained forever, especially if you want me matching things. And even better, Babbel comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So you have no reason not to start your language learning journey today. Right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com
1: creep. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. And look, summertime is
0: right around the corner. If you are lucky enough to be traveling abroad, you need to know how to speak the language. You need to know how to ask for the bathroom, the library, a glass of milk, whatever (laughs) you need. So for up to 55% off your subscription, you got to go to Babbel.com slash creep. That's C-R-E-E-P. All right, back to Patrick. Patrick was arrested, and in less than 30 minutes, that motherfucker had spilled the beans. He told police not only about murdering Father Crean, but he ended up confessing to like eight murders. Wow. At first, he only admitted to Isabella and Adele and Father Crean. So we'll talk about some of the people that he confessed to, but he ended up recanting all of the confessions. Now, there's some moving parts of he was getting psychiatric assessments while he was in prison. You know, he's got attorneys recommending they do this and that and whatnot. And they're wanting him to plead to these cases to keep him from going to trial and all the things And so, basically, what they ended up doing was charging him with just the three murders. Now, he ended up pleading guilty to manslaughter with diminished responsibility. Diminished responsibility? Is that because he had a mental illness? I think so. Because he wanted to go into long-term treatment. That's what he really wanted. So, when they were going to be talking about, hey, let's charge you with all these other things. He's like, no, 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 no. I didn't do any of those. And so, I think it became like a game. But he ended up getting sentenced to life in prison. So these are some of the the other deaths that he confessed to. A young 17-year-old who was a German au pair, her name was Heidi Milk, M-N-I-L-K, I I hope I pronounced that right. This was in July of 73. He said that he threw her from a moving train, but he did stab her as well and that she was his first murder.
1: I mean, that could be it because he's like wait, I need to go older. She fought back or whatever. Well,
0: and there were a lot of train rides in this story too, that we didn't really talk about, like back and forth to different places, like to his mom, to the this, to that. So, cause he lived in London. It, there was, there was a lot of back and forth. And so that very well could have happened. He said that he killed Mary Hines, that basically he killed her the same way he killed the other two elderly women, that there was a man that was um, homeless um, he threw him off a bridge. And then 57-year-old Stephanie Britton, he said that he stabbed her and her four-year-old grandson, Christopher Martin. He had to kill the grandson because he was a witness.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And like for that, there's been nobody else even considered for this. Then there was a, a man who worked at a store named... Frank Goodman, not the store, the man's name was Frank Goodman. I, I picture like a um, bodega, like a like a quick stop, like bodega type okay. thing. And he beat him to death for a pack of cigarettes.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: There was another woman named Sarah Rodmel, who was 92, and Ivy Davis, who was 48, that he allegedly killed as well. Basically, they were like, there's not a lot of evidence to all this. And like he threatened, like I said, to plead not guilty. Also, it should be noted that for Isabella, some stuff has her as Isabella Griffith, but some stuff has her as Isabella Griffith's. But like I said, he was threatening to not plead guilty to those two if they kept coming at him for the other ones. But there was one where they actually found his shoes that had Frank Goodman's blood on them. And Patrick's the one that told them where to find his shoes. So it's like, it's really probable that he actually did this.
1: Yeah.
0: This doesn't give me the serial killer vibe that's like, I've killed 93 people. And it's like, well, we can only prove seven. Right. So, which yeah. is a lot, but like, it ain't 92. Mm -hmm. Like, this feels like he may have actually done that. Yeah. So, Patrick is still in prison. He's still alive and still in prison. Now, he changed his name to David Groves. Unsure why. But he is actually up for parole. He's been in, like, roughly 40 years. And his parole came up. And then they pushed it back to what was supposed to have been March. So, like, last month. You know, the headlines are like, David Grove slash... Patrick Mackey's furious that his thing got pushed back. I think that that's just like inflammatory language. I th- that's not the word I'm looking for. But look, I've sat here for five minutes trying to figure it out. So just go with me. That to me, now he probably really is. But to me, he's trying to portray himself as someone who's rehabilitated, who's remorseful, all these things. And so I don't think that he would be like, hey, I'm pissed y'all moved my date back when he's trying to make himself look like he ain't going to murder somebody again. Last I could find is that his parole hearing was pushed back to March 2023, but this is April 2023, and so far, no hearing that I can find. Wow. And, like, a lot of stuff calls him the forgotten serial killer of England. I'd never heard of him.
1: Yeah, It's sad because it's probably who he targeted. Uh Uh-huh. And also, it's like, he killed them, but then when you think of a serial killer, people usually think it's going to be more... Like, there's usually more of, like,
0: a fetish or or sexual... Not fetish, but sexual component to it. Yeah. Because some stuff was talked about how, like, when Father Crean touched his head, if that actually happened, that it, like, made it more erotic for Patrick. But I don't know how much of it had that sexual component to him. Yeah. And that's usually what you Think of when you think of a serial killer. They're like a set of type thing that mm-hmm. has a sexual component to it. And, and his didn't. He just was a psychopath that enjoyed killing. Now, are yeah. all psychopaths killers? Absolutely not. Or antisocial personality disorder, if that's truly what he had. We know that majority of them don't kill people. There just happen to be a lot of killers that have that.
1: yeah. That just sucks because like he did. He killed these people and yeah, like people don't talk about it because it's not as salacious as mm-hmm. other serial killers.
0: Yeah, it's not a young co ed found naked with bubble like it yeah, just, that's not the same headlines as this poor eighty nine year old. I mean it was two weeks before somebody found her. Plus I think that, that brings up a vulnerability in yourself where one, you're scared because of what happens to you when you get older. But also, too, I think makes people feel a little more shame. Like, shame on us that there's an 80-something-year-old woman who nobody noticed for two weeks. Yeah. You know, and so I think that kind of brings it up in ourselves something. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't like old people, but I don't want them to be murdered. You really don't. You don't like the 80s, and you don't like people in their 80s. I don't. I love them, except for when they call me fat and tell me I need to lose weight. Hate that. (laughs) 80-year-olds and
1: 4-year-olds, they will tell you what they think. Yes, they will. One's too young to know that they need to not say that. And then the other's too old and they don't even care anymore. Okay, well, you talked about someone we hadn't heard about. And I'm going to talk about someone I had never heard about until Unsolved Mysteries. So picture it. Aiken, South Carolina, 1975. How weird that we both are doing something in the 70s. Right? It was an ordinary night on September the 17th. And well, that's a lie because there was a really bad thunderstorm going on. But I mean, there's nothing unusual about summer showers, you know? They bring make flowers. Oh, that's April showers. Okay, bye. Well, Danian and Sandy were a married couple, and they were at home watching the weather updates. And you know how we all do when there's bad weather. You know, you're glued to your TV. Is there a tornado coming over your area? It's coming over y'all's. You know, like you always do all the things. Well, it seemed to be doing the normal thunderstorm shenanigans. So Sandy's like, okay, I'm going to go check on dinner. And Danian was like, you know what? I need to call Tommy, his friend, to ask about something from earlier. So about the time that they left to do their own things, the storm had moved right overhead. And while Danyan was on the phone with Tommy, lightning struck. Daniel was by the window, and lightning hit the telephone pole outside, traveled along the phone line, and then through the phone he was holding.
0: One of my biggest fears. I remember when I was a kid, there was an episode of Montel Williams where people got struck by lightning. And by the way, your Southern came out and you said lightning.
1: Oh, did. every single time. And I was
0: about to bust on the inside. All I remember is this guy had on a gold necklace. And when he got struck by lightning, it embedded in his skin. <sighs> oh. And that has stuck with me. And I am terrified to get struck by lightning because I don't even wear necklaces. I'm like, I'm oh, like, my necklace is going to get embedded in me.
1: <laughs> I don't even fucking wear
0: necklaces because they make
1: me hot. Oh, 100%. Here's more nightmare fuel for you. More than 180,000 volts of electricity jolted throughout Danian's body, entering through his ear and shooting down his spine. <laughs> it was so severe that it knocked him out of his shoes and they were left melted to the floor. Better than his feet. Well, and then the phone he was holding was melted too. To him? Sorry, no, T-O-O. At that point, Danian was unable to talk or move. He recalls just feeling like his whole body was on fire and burning. He said that all of a sudden, he was out of his body and he was floating up looking down at his limp body below. He saw Sandy run in and start trying to clear his airway and begin chest compressions. Well, luckily, his friend Tommy had heard the lightning strike and like the commotion over the phone because I can only imagine what sound it made. And so he ran out the door headed that way as soon as he heard something going on. And Tommy had been in the Navy and, you know, was good under pressure and knew a little bit more than the CPR that his wife was trying to do. So again, he's starting CPR because Danyan's not breathing, but Danyan was soon in another place. Here's a quote of what he said he experienced. I start down this tunnel. I see what appears to be a form coming out of this beautiful misty blue. Then all of a sudden, I not only felt everything I'd ever done and saw everything I'd ever done, I became every person that I'd ever encountered. So what he means by that is that When he was younger, he was a bully, much like your guy. And while that continued on in life, too, he was difficult to deal with while he was serving overseas. He said he was pretty self-centered and had a short temper. Danian had been popular in high school and like a great athlete. And then he served in the Marines and was successful in his business. So he was just kind of that ruthless guy, got what he wanted. Probably also with
0: antisocial personality disorder, he's just not a murderer. True. So
1: it was like these people flashed in front of him. And each time he felt all the hurt he had caused them. He said that he had to endure this from everyone he had ever wronged. And that's when he realized he wasn't being judged by someone else. He had to judge himself. He had to take accountability for all of his actions. So while Danian was having this near-death experience, his body was being rushed to the hospital. While being worked on in the ER, his breathing stopped again, and this time they could not revive him. Sandy had rode in the ambulance with him and Tommy had followed behind in his car. Well, Tommy and Sandy were together when they heard the news that Danian was pronounced dead. However, Tommy needed to see his best friend again. You know, they had been through everything together and he just needed to see him one last time. So Tommy approached the bed and Danian had a sheet over him. And Tommy was just, you know, like questioning everything. Why has this happened to his friend? And that's when Tommy saw movement underneath the sheet. He stared in disbelief for a few moments, then hollered for medical staff because it looked like his dead friend was breathing. Danyan said that he felt himself leaving the spiritual realm that he was in and he was forced back into his body, and when he came to, he was under a sheet. He couldn't talk, he couldn't move, and again he felt that burning sensation radiate throughout his body. It had been 28 minutes after Danyan was declared dead. No one believed this was happening, like this is a medical miracle for sure. The doctor said that the lightning went down Daniel's back, which you could see from the burn marks and everything throughout his body. It must have just overloaded his nervous system, which like caused him to go into cardiac arrest. And then, oh, his body is functioning again. Like the ultimate fight or flight or freeze. Right, <laughs> right. Well, Danian ended up staying in the hospital for a week after. And then he was released because, I mean, there's nothing more that they could do for him. He was still having side effects, but he didn't need a hospital stay. Mm -hmm. He was incredibly weak. His eyes were very sensitive to light. So much so that he had to wear welder's goggles at all times. Danian was completely paralyzed for six days then partially paralyzed for seven months after the incident. But he slowly regained all of his abilities. It ended up taking him two years to learn how to walk and to feed himself again. But Daniel seemed to have another ability that he didn't have before. He could see the future. While he was recovering, he said that he had envisioned over 117 Premonitions basically, and this included Ronald Reagan being elected, the Gulf War, and even the collapse of the Soviet Union. It's hard to summarize what he said because he, you know, had this experience, but basically, he saw that ethereal being and he followed it to where he said it was like a cathedral of knowledge. And he was given 13 visions that he calls boxes of knowledge. And he said in those boxes, those were the like 117 possible futuristic outcomes. And out of all of those future possibilities, 95 have come to pass. So at this time with Daniel near-death experiences weren't really something that was front-page news. But that same year, so 1975, a psychiatrist named Raymond Moody had popularized the term near-death experience. So I thought that was kind of cool, though, that, like, he had a near-death experience. And I know people have had them before, but, like, he had this one. Came out with what he said was a new ability, a psychic ability, and then the same year, this psychiatrist kind of coined that term. Anyway, so like I said, I heard this from Unsolved Mysteries, and you know when they do have someone with abilities, they usually get an expert to come check him out. So they got parapsychologist Dr. William Roll to check him out. Now we've talked about Dr. Roll before; he's been involved with different poltergeist cases. Anyway, Dr. Roll had eight different people come in, and Danian was instructed to give readings for them. And it wasn't necessarily like about futuristic things that will happen to them. It was more about I want you to be able to tell me about this person things that you would not be able to know. Whatever you do, look inside them and tell me something going on with them. He had never met them, wasn't given any information on the people. And Danian was able to go into detail about each person and the information he hit on. It was something that he could have never known beforehand. Dr. Roll said that Danian was the real deal. He had psychic abilities and not only that, but he found Danian pretty fucking remarkable in his abilities. Danian was tested again, but not by Dr. Roll, but from a murder case. It was in 1993, Two months after the murder took place. So what had happened was on August 12th, 1993, a couple, John and Nancy Bosco had been shot to death in their beds. John was 41, Nancy 32. And like your story, there were no suspects, no leads, and the police were just kind of at a stall with the investigation. And that's when John's mother, Tony, met with Danian. Now, this murder was not local to him. This took place in a whole different state. But Danian said he did have a vision and he believed the killer was a guy who was in college in the West. So a younger guy, he had black hair, a slight build, and Danian said the guy knew the layout of the house and he also knew the couple. So it wasn't a total random murder like the police are thinking because they have no suspects. But Danian told Tony not to lose hope because a suspect would be arrested in early December of that year. Well, come December, there is a guy arrested for the murder. Joseph Clark, who went by Shadow, he was 18 years old. In college, he was attending George Fox University in Oregon, and the Boscos had bought the house from Shadow's parents, so he definitely knew the layout because he had grown up there, and he had also met the Boscos and probably had interactions with them while they were moving in, all the things. So what Shadow did, he entered the home on the first floor through a window and shot them execution style while they were sleeping. Oh my God. Nothing was taken besides Bosco's gun, which wasn't used in this murder. So he brought a gun to this. It's not like he found it and was like, I'm going to kill him. Joseph Shadow Clark was convicted of the murders of John and Nancy Bosco. He is now in Montana State Prison in Deer Lodge, serving a sentence of 150 years. And everyone wanted him to tell them, like, what was your motive? Give us some kind of closure and just understanding of this. And he wouldn't. they were like, look, we'll lower your sentence. Just tell us. And he was like, no, I don't know why I murdered them. I just did. That's the worst kind. Yeah, it's just senseless. Just like your guy. Like, just, I'm going to kill him. For a freaking lighter. And this, like, I feel like he just saw the gun and was like, Oh yeah, I can sell that or I can use that in my next thing or whatever. Cause if he wanted to rob them, he would have taken something else. But that first near-death experience wasn't the only one that Danian Brinkley had experienced. In 1989, he died again during open heart surgery, and then again experienced another realm. And then also he had another near-death experience during brain surgery in 1997. And these were all complications from him being struck by lightning before. He was doing an interview and he did say like the doctor was like, you have so much scar tissue. How are you still alive? You're healthy, but your body is not in good condition. But... Daniel now volunteers at hospices and nursing homes because he believes that's his purpose. You know, he had those near-death experiences. He came back with knowledge and he believes that his purpose is to be with terminal patients because no one should be alone when they die. No one should be scared of death in that last moment. No one should have to be fearful when they die. And he tries to give them comfort because he's like, look, you might think you're a terrible person and you might be scared of hell. I'm here to tell you, I don't think hell exists because I died four times and I was a shit human. And if I didn't go to hell, if I never saw hell, it doesn't exist. And he said, hell was never spoken of. He, and someone was like, well, you didn't ask the, you know, ethereal being about it. And he's like, Why would I? Like, if they're not bringing it up, I'm not bringing it up. I'm not going to be like, um, am I in the wrong place? Touche. Right? But he is a comfort to these people because, you know, at that last moment, you're like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Like, even if you really aren't or whatever, you know, like, you just don't want to end up in the bad place or like anything. Well, especially too,
0: if you've deconstructed from some religions or from religion period, I don't know why I said it that way, but there's always still that lingering question of like, what if I'm wrong? And it's like, well, you feel that way because you've deconstructed from a religion that you've had that ingrained in you for all these years, mm-hmm. you know? And look, you believe in what you believe. And some people believe that's God tugging on your heartstrings to, for you to follow him or whatever, but some people are like, no, that's the conditioning that I've had my whole life growing up in church or whatever, you know? Yeah.
1: So he also created a program called Twilight Brigade and that works with veteran hospitals and all kind of VA benefits to make sure that no military veteran dies alone. Love that. Danian has wrote three books, Saved by Light, Secrets of the Light, and At Peace in the Light. I mean, I know what you're going to say. is like he's wrote three books and, you know, all the things. But those help fund the Twilight Brigade. So I feel like it's a little less like, oh, he's just making money off of yeah. this stuff. Like it goes to his program. I can't remember the thousands of people that it's helped and, you know, all the things. There's like different branches and, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just in his location. But basically, Daniel I mean, he's wrote three books, so he has a lot to say. But his thing is, don't be scared because there's not a hell. There's no real pain after that. Like, Don't be scared of death because it's not bad. He's like, I've died basically four times and I'm lucky enough to come back and be able to tell everyone and help guide them to not be scared to, you know, just whatever, you know, but I don't know. I just feel like it's kind of interesting that he was a proclaimed asshole and then he became this like selfless person and wanted to dedicate his life to being there for other people. So even if none of that is real, like he really did turn his life around after this near death experience. But he's been on like Oprah and probably hell fucking Montel Williams too. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I just thought it was very interesting because his whole thing is, is like, there's no hell. And he kind of goes a little bit beyond me, like my thinking Uh, or comprehension, I should say, not thinking. I just can't comprehend what he's saying. But in an interview, he was just kind of talking about like, we're all spiritual beings, but some of us are tied more to like the human aspect of it than others. But like your life doesn't end. It just kind of goes on. Not really reincarnation, but he's like, you have these choices and you make these choices before you know, you in this life or whatever. His big takeaway is basically like what we all say, like be a good person, do right by others, do right by yourself and live your life the best way you can don't be like, oh, I want to do this so I don't go to hell. That's not the right way of thinking. You do it because you want to help others. According to him. According to him. Because he's like, you're the one who's going to have to judge yourself. And you're going to have to feel all of that when you do die. Oh, also, he said it wasn't like a movie. You know, people say like their life flashes before their eyes. And it's like movie real kind of thing. He said... Like, he did get, like, that panoramic life experience, but he actually felt everything. And he became that person and felt how he had made them feel and stuff. So it wasn't, like, highlights from his life. It was his actions on others that he had to relive. Makes you think, like, what would be my highlights Real? I know. I mean, I guess technically it's lowlights. Touche. I don't know. It would be a lot of, well, you're a bitch here, but five seconds later, you were crying with the person. Mine? Yes. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) Also, I don't want to speak for Donna, but I I know that we've gotten a couple of reviews where people are like, "Y'all bash religion, yada yada yada." You believe what you're gonna, what you want to believe. Like she's not saying this guy is everything's right. This right. is what it is. Like she's just saying what he believed, what he experienced. So I don't know, because I just don't want people to think that we're like bashing their religion if they believe in heaven and hell and right. all of that. And you know,
1: what are your thoughts on near death experiences?
0: I don't know because the brain's funny. It's trying to make sense of what it's experiencing. So I feel like for the most part, you're going to experience things that your brain knows how to experience. Yeah. So like, again, if you were taught religion, you're going to experience, I went to the light, I did this because that's what you've. That's what you've come up knowing. If you weren't raised religious, you're going to, to be like, well, it's kind of nothingness. Or it was kind of this. Or it was kind of, there was no, I had to, re-, like how he did. I had to relive the things that I'd put people through or whatever. So I think just like how when you see something that you don't know what it is, your brain tries to make sense of it. So Mm -hmm. it'll be like, oh, there's a face on the wall, but like, it's not really a face, but your brain is trying to make sense of what this blob is. And so it makes it into a face, Yeah, you know, so kind of like that, like your brain doesn't understand what's happening because you're not getting oxygen to it. Everything's shutting down. And so it's trying to make sense of it in the best way that it knows how, I don't know.
1: I just made that up off my, off your head. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I I don't know. But with Danyan, he came back with an ability that he didn't have before. And I mean, I know you can say psychic stuff and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, I feel like he put Sylvia Brown to shame. You know what I mean? She's fake. Well, I know. But you know, like had like a timeline. What's with all the Montel Williams references? I don't know. Oh, you know
0: why? Because RIP Jerry Springer. Yeah, Jerry Springer died today. Maybe that is why. What do you think? I don't think you said
1: what you think. Honestly, I don't know about stuff. I mean, what you said makes sense to me. I feel like a near death experience is just that. Like, it's how you said, like, your body's dying. And it makes me sad to think about, like, victims, what they experience then. Yeah. Like, oh gosh. And because I don't know about afterlife and stuff. I mean, part of me believes in reincarnation. And, you know, I, I have no real definite beliefs. But what I do know is that this made. Danyan want to be better. And he was. And so I think that's something that we can all do is take an experience, whether it be scary, good, bad, whatever, and make the best out of it and really take action against it. I don't know, stuff like this makes me get so reflective and everything. And was well, so hard to separate
0: what you were raised thinking versus what do you actually think? I don't know. It's hard.
1: You know what this reminded me of though? That Netflix show, The OA. And I really wish that had another season because that was so existential. It was so like... So in like the headspace, I can't even think about, you know, it just made you think of all these things and like, is this possible? Science is weird. And our bodies are weird. And I, I don't know. If you haven't watched the OA, it can be a little slow. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Me and Carrie... We both loved it. We were enthralled in it. Carrie doesn't binge a season, but she stayed up late watching the show with me. Y'all let us know what y'all think. And of
0: course, be kind because everyone has differing opinions. And you know what? Nobody actually knows. So be kind to each other's opinions. And remember,
1: creep it real and don't don't get scared. scared.